Welcome to Watershed's May podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed and joined by Steph Reid, who is cinema programme assistant. Um, and we're going to have a talk through some highlights in this month's cinema programme. Welcome, Steph. Oh, hi, Mark. Now, for, for, for those regular listeners and eagle-eared listeners, you, you will know that that was not Steph saying, oh, hi, Mark. Not on this occasion. On this occasion, no. Now, we're, 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 who was saying that? Tommy, your boy, your boy Tommy from The Room. But, yeah, which. Which, which we are screening, which comes back to Watershed this very month. Um, May 25th. May 25th, courtesy of its 20th year, which I couldn't quite believe. And um, Greg Sestero, who's also in that film alongside Tommy Bazoo, um, is going to be here talking about his incredible experience working on what has been described as the Citizen Kane of bad films. Mm. With a live commentary provided... He's going to be doing a lot indeed. And Ty, colleague of ours, who who works with us in the film hub, um, and who uh, by day and by night he is Bristol Bad Film Club, aka BBFC, um, and he's going to be talk the other BBFC. Yeah, the other one. In case people get confused and send their films to (laughs) Ty to get them certificated. But, um, so yeah, he's going to be talking with Greg, and they're going to be doing a, a, a running co- it, like when you buy a Blu-ray or a DVD, if you still get DVDs, um, and you have a kind of commentary of the director's commentary, producers, whatever. They are actually going to do that live, which will be fun, um, and we're going to be searching people for um, plastic spoons, I believe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your own. Bring bring your own. Yeah. Um, so yes, that's uh, 20th anniversary screening um, of the room, which has moved from 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 the underground, from the cult laughing underground to the um, the art house mainstream. Sold out. I think there's still tickets available for the first screening. Actually, well, we've added an additional screening actually due to the, the earlier screening due to demand, but more for um, this month. Um, some films that we are particularly enthusiastic about. First one is um, Return to Soul, uh, which is directed by Davy Chow, who is a Cambodian uh, French filmmaker. And just uh, briefly, its it, it, its story is that it follows um, character Freddy, who's early 20s, who, played by Park Ji-min, who... Um, was adopted, is Korean by birth, but was adopted by French, a French couple um, and was brought up in France. And kind of by, by um, coincidence or by design, finds herself in Seoul um, when her flight gets changed in Seoul and decides at that to look up her biological parents. Mm. Um, uh, and it's... Um, I mean, first of all, it's a brilliant performance from um, Park Ji-min. His first-time actress as well. Yeah, 
this is her first role. I mean, that's well, she's not. I mean, she's not even an actress. So no, that's the thing. Is that I mean, I know it's first time, but it's, it's like it's not like she's. She's not trained. She's not trained. She's I mean, she's a. I think she's a sculptor or an artist. She's an artist. a friend of Davies, right? Yeah, and you would never ever. Um, think that from because the, the striking one of the striking it's things about the film is is the the kind of magnetism of her central performance because she really plays um, she really plays uh, I was going to say against type but even I didn't know quite what 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 that meant but she she plays against the expectation mm. rather of what you expect a sort of t- a, a, t- a twenty year old girl woman. To, to who's in this situation to behave. Yeah, and when the film jumps through forward in time as well, she kind of carries that in such a... Yeah, and it's the kind of spontane- spontaneity of her and the way in which she... And, and of course, she is... Uh, she's Korean, but she's also an outsider in Korean society. Mm. So she's in the early scenes, which, which, which you, obviously you're just first um, getting to know her, as indeed the Korean people that she's with begin to know her. And she seems like quite a kind of... Crazy, volatile. It's quite full of contradictions yeah. throughout, and those Fil- get expressed differently, I would yeah. say, throughout the film. And at the start, yeah. they're kind of epitomised in the way she's yeah. rejecting the kind of um, expectations from Korean culture that yeah. she's kind of actively pushing against in some ways, in in sticking to her French identity. Yeah, um, there's kind of a reluctance to. But but she but as the film develops, you see that she kind her of relationship her relationship to her own roots that kind yeah. of changes throughout. And it is really that, and I think it's you know it's got a, it it speaks to a kind of big swathe of people, which is about that search for identity. Yeah, especially that kind of mid twenties moment as well of you know finding yourself a little lost and yeah, there's that element of reinvention that runs throughout as well, yeah. rather than any kind of sense of resolution in the film yeah. I think without wanting to give away the ending mm. and and then you know when when she's meeting her biological parents who who no, no plot spoilers but she finds out we're are, are divorced and that may well have been part of why you know she was given up for adoption um but she that then opens up um you, you know kind of conflicting emotions about um the relationship with the the by her biological parents, and also then her relationship with her um, adopted parents. Uh, but it, but as I say, you know, as we were saying earlier, at the centre of it is really this incredible um, performance uh, f- from from um, Park Jimin, um, who, who kind of um, you know that way in which you, when you're watching a film, you're drawn in by a character uh, and their. Um, expression, expressive performance or um, characteristics but she really holds you at a distance and pulls you in and throws you out and like mm. she does with all the characters and you know the, the characters in the film but you really do um, empathise for her, uh, with her uh, I think in this um, incredibly well made um, journey uh, through exploration as you say of identity because there is the thought that from the synopses and everything, it can seem like it's just going to be a kind of well, not straightforward, but an adoption drama. But then that clearly like changes. I think about half an hour in when you get this kind of shift to kind of character portrait almost. Yeah. Um, and then I would say it ends up being kind of an exploration of a sense of place and belonging. Yeah. Um, um, and 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 that sort of wider culture as well. Um, 
you, you see it, the sort of bringing the French culture into the Korean culture, the Korean mm. culture, and and that the, the sort of um, that intersection, I guess, what you know, in, the intersectionalness of the identity, her identity, um, but the 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 con- current contemporariness of the cross-cultural relationships and the kind of fluidness um, of them. Um, and as I say, I think, you know, this is... I haven't seen David Chow's earlier film, but um, uh, earlier work, but this just seemed to me such a um, striking film for the performance, for the subject matter, um, and and for the style of it as well. Mm. And I think it's the... Hmm? I was just saying it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, yeah, and you've put together a, a season around it, which is going to be the Sunday, Sunday screenings. Sunday season. Yeah. yeah. It's stretching. Our, I don't know um, understandings of the term rep. I think in the well repertory programming in this way because they're all very contemporary titles. Yeah. I mean, the, the, well, this, this this is the thing, Steph. Is that um, I, when you say rep, when I say rep, um, repertory. You're thinking old, yeah. And it, it, it I mean, it, it's, it's, from, it's from yeah, it's got that archive, so, yeah, archive you know, cult or, or whatever. Yeah. And and actually, it can be from yesterday back through 100, yeah. 120 years. But it's it's yeah, it's a series of films that that speak to the themes, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, the, the earliest one we're showing is only about ten years old. It's Francis Ha, um, yeah. the Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig film. Um, and then the following week, we got The Farewell, the um, film from about three years ago, I think, from Lulu Wang, which, again, like we were saying with um, Return to Soul and the way that explores kind of to what extent identity is formed in relation to the culture you're brought up in and you, your relationship to that as a young person. Um, the, the Farewell explores something similar when the main character who's grown up in America goes back home to China to visit mm. her grandmother Mm. And it's about the kind of those cultural differences that have sprung up, and to yeah. what extent they impact those family relationships, and also mm. her her sense of self. I, and I think those those the, the, the themes, particularly in the farewell, um, are coming up more and more as we see in Return to Soul, as the sort of diasporas mm. um, and those generations of diasporas have have grown up, um, and the children, of it, as it were, yeah, have grown and up, and then so want to explore. Like everything everywhere yeah. last year. Yeah, no, and a lot of contemporary cinema, you're yeah. right. Um, and, and then following on from that, we have The, the Souvenir, the Joanna Hogg film, um, part two, not part one. Because <laughs> um, I think part two is more explicitly concerned with the main character, Julie, the, the stand-in for Joanna Hogg in that film, because um, it's quite a autobiographical piece. Mm. Because moving on from the events of the first film, she's then really trying to construct her own sense of self separate from the relationship she had in the first film. You do um, not have to have seen the souvenir. No. We should point we should out point in order out. to, to watching the souvenir part two. Well. Yeah, exactly. Do come and see Don't it. be misled by the part two if you've not seen part one. Um, and then finishing up with a film from last year, um, the Joaquin Trier film, The Worst Person in the World. So also focus on a character called Julie, or am I making that up? Let's let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with those connections, those little connections, sub, subconscious, I'm not even subconscious. Them up, but but, but um, they, they're they, she is. Yeah, there we go. They're, the subconscious is always right in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just a collection of four films that kind of speak to the same themes that are coming up in Return yeah. to Soul. But, but also, the, the, the thing about Worst Person in the World, I think, which is different from... from um, well, actually, the, the Worst Person in the World and 
the souvenir part two are slightly different in that they're not that sort of um, cross-cultural in, mm. in that respect. But they are um, women, and they are all women, women in flux, main characters. Yeah, in, se- in, 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 in kind of in search of um, a different kind of self. Yeah. Uh, in a way. Or reinventing themselves. Yeah. In well, actually, Francis has as well. Francis has yeah. actually, yeah, I mean, it's the farewell that's the cross cultural, yeah. yeah. but, but it's more about, yeah, it's more about the search for um, where you fit in and how your difference doesn't fit in, but actually yeah. does fit in. And the idea of yeah. like creating your own, you know, identity formed yeah. rather than found, which yeah. is a nice line that was from a review of Return to Soul, actually. Yeah. I think is kind of what this yeah. whole. Prep season is, and, and, and kind of um, un, unashamedly outside of in quotes norms, mm. as it were. You know, so as representations of women, they're kind of outside of what you might think is the kind of traditional coming the of traditional, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they'll play on Sundays through May, um, and we do recommend uh, Return to Soul. Um, which is uh, quite a special um, film. Not that they're all not special, and they're different ways. But, but you can but have your favourites. But you can have your you can have your favourites. <laughs> and talking of favourites, one one of mine that's coming up this month is Under the Fig Trees, um, directed by Erige Sahiri, who's a French Tunisian director, um, and she comes from a, a documentary background, and this is her first um, sort of drama feature but you can really feel the sort of documentary realism the kind of um, observed naturalism of uh, the film which follows um, a a group of women um, largely women who uh, are picking figs in the the season for fig picking in Tunisia Um, and they all get picked up um, by the guy who takes them and it's all it's generation, multi-generational. So there's older women, there's there's middle-aged women, there's younger women, who are all sort of taken to the um, kind of seasonal work. Yeah, seasonal work to the to the fig trees, the orchards, the fig, fig are orchards. Taken, are they taken under the fig trees. They're taken under the fig trees to pick pick <laughs> them up, um, which have to be treated very delicately because figs are very delicate fruit. So there's there's, there's a whole technique that needs to be observed and the the film follows them over a day it's just it's one day in it which is a kind of documentary um sort of technique thing in itself uh but what what you get is you 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 get really absorbed into the sets of different relationships um between the women between the 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 the, the guys that are running the company the the driver and it's delicately they're delicately sort of drawn um, but you really do get a sense of the kind of camaraderie, the sisterhood, um, the the sharing stories, um, just women being together. Um, I think in this quite, I mean, it's, it's beautiful because you get Tunisian sunlight and through the green leaves mm. and, you know, the fruit being picked. And there's a kind of sensuality to it. It's not overstated, but is 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 kind of implicit. But as I say, the documentary techniques definitely um, come to the fore of, of the kind of observed nature of it and the sort of very natural feel to it. Um, and funnily, um, but funnily enough, it, it reminded me of Sarah Polly's film uh, Women's, Women Talking, 
Um, and I, and um, I think I've said to you before, Steph, I've, I've said this outside to, to other people and they've either laughed or been a bit shocked. But it, it's, it's kind of women talking without the lecture. Um, and, and which I, I just found a little bit hard to take. In, it's a in, little didactic. Uh, yeah, it was just a, a little bit on the nose in terms of, you know, what, whereas this is much more, you, you, you get the close to the kind of, um, uh, you know, issues. They are dealing with the, the politics of real life, their real lives all begin to sort of surface. But you feel it's a really kind much of more kind of naturalistic exactly in those group dynamics exactly in a way that just feels less kind it, of it, it, it less sort of hammered less hammered less and, and indeed less less um, scripted which is of course going back to that documentary technique um, I mean I, I don't know whether how much it was scripted actually it'd be interesting to find out anyway I, I really do recommend it um, I thought it was a really um, wonderful watch and filmmaking and also you know very interesting given its its context of Tunisia and as, as well uh, the other thing is that the fig tree of course um, is also symbolic um, in different countries and different religions as well and I think that's also um, sitting within it is the kind of metaphor of the fig tree as a place of sort of well-being or a place of rest or place of contemplation and the fig tree sort of figures so it kind of carries with it but never ever states it, it was only, it's only when you kind of go and as, as you do you go away and read further about it you see alright oh, ok this is kind of opening up in a wider context yeah yeah so thoroughly thoroughly do recommend that it's full of light and warmth it was uh, out on May 19th May 19th yep yeah. um, and a- another film that's um, coming up that I really Responded to, but interestingly, like under the fig trees, it's kind of it's very much about relationship. Well, relationship with nature is is what informs the film. It's it's the Eight Mountains by the Belgian filmmakers Felix van Groningen and Charlotte van der Meersch, um, and they've adapted. Uh, it was an award-winning Italian novel um, from 2016 by Paolo Cognetti. Um, and it's um, kind of an epic um, journey in an epic landscape um, and it's a kind of very um, it is actually very novelistic but not in a <laughs> not in a bad way is it <laughs> for, a, for, a, for a film but it's kind of got those it's got that epic um, it's got an epic sweep to it that novels do so well mm. um, and, and um, some films do better than others and this is one that really does kind of you don't think it's novelistic, but you do feel the kind of, as I say, the sweep that it, that it has in covering a relationship between two um, boyhood friends. One is from the, the, the city in um, Turin, who's in its set, I think, in the 60s. Um, and th- his, his mum takes him into a very isolated village in the Italian Alps, for summer, um, the dad doesn't go, and you, you begin to find out about all the sort of relationships through through the film. But the dad's working the car industry um, in Turin, and he's and he's there with his mother, about eight nine years old, um, and meets a, a, a young um, 
boy from the village who's a farmer, farmer's son. He's he's um, the only boy in the village, and of course there's a kind of background there of you know the relationships between small towns, villages, and the city, and you know the the sort of slow decline, as it were, of those traditional things. But they they have an idyllic summer, um, and they have an idyllic summer getting you know as as boy boys playing about in this wonderful country, mountainous, beautiful uh, landscape, but the city and the country, and. Um, and and the 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 parent the, the dad comes the parent uh, the, the both parents uh, of the city boy want to help uh, Bruno who's the self described as the last child of the village and they they want to take him to Turin and get him educated alongside Pietro and you know sort of get access to all these things that cities have which co- causes a big fallout um, with his um, with Bruno's parents. And what is this kind of idyllic um, friendship in this sort of Eden um, countryside uh, gets thrown asunder um, and it charts the sort of various uh, relationships that evolve over the decades between not just Pietro and Bruno but the the parents as well. And the mountain... um, the eight mountains, which are a reference to um, mountains in Nepal, um, that do figure in the film because it does it does have this sweep to it um, that brings in um, Nepal as well as being set in the Italian Alps. But the mountain becomes a you know a, a, a symbol of the past and of the relationships. Um, and of the kind of um, both the tumultuous changes that happen, but also the kind of very um, grounded nature that mountains have. Whilst they change, they are also they are also still there. And also, they you know they they are they uh, are, how how do you relate to them? Are they conquered? Which is of course all the emotions that go back. Um, I think I said to you before, Steph. There was a great Bob Dylan line. Um, and uh, there's, there's, there's always a great Bob Dylan line but there's a great line in one of his songs there's always great lines in lots of his songs but there's a great Spin line in, <laughs> there's a great line in a song called um, Beyond Here Lies Nothing um, and it's Beyond Here Lies Nothing but the mountains of the past um, this film is this is a film of that line <laughs> um, and it, it's it's a real emotional journey Um and it's 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 dealing um, with the, the, in a similarish in a way to Return to Soul, um, dealing with the past, mm. and the, the the mountain becomes a kind of symbol of of um, how you reconcile yourself to those kind of whether traumas or whether um, you, you, you know breakups with relationships or and how you deal with growing um, older how you deal with you know what happened when you were kind of 10 11 12 to when in, in the various changes and transformations that happen when you're in your by the time you got to your 40s maybe that's why I liked it so much um, you listeners might might not know but there's an age difference between us um, and so I can imagine this appealing to to an older an older audience is going ah right okay but within it, um, within that story, what you have is just absolutely beautiful um, capturing of landscapes and the 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 countryside of, as I say, the Italian Alps. It's very um, highly recommended. 
And if you want to find how to how, how to how to re, reclaim and build uh, an, an alpine hut, you will learn you will learn, you will learn the techniques. And I tell you what, it's worth it as well. <laughs> um, so the eight mountains uh, opens um, in, in this month as well. Um, and also coming up is um, we were talking about rep earlier on, but we mm-hmm. mentioned rep earlier on is. Um, some new, uh, restorations. new restorations of um, films from the 80s and 90s, uh, which is... Scorsese. We've got Scorsese, um, yeah. Raging Bull and Age of Innocence. Two very contrasting sides yeah. of Kind of two Scorsese. extremes of his filmography, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think when, when Age of Innocence, which is set in the kind of 19, 1890s New York and in, in amongst the kind of well-to-do, well-heeled, respectable uh, upper classes. Um, it, when it was released, I think it was a U certificate. Yeah, I think you're right. We should you never... Think you think, hang on a minute, yeah. what's, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Making anything less than an 18. <laughs> I know. Um, and then you've got Raging Bull, which is which he won the Oscar very for. Very much deserves its 18. <laughs> which very much deserves its 18 certificate about Jake LaMotta, a New York 1950s boxer. Mm. Um, phenomenal performance from from Robert De Niro, De Niro as as the both the young um, uh, temperamental, hugely temperamental, violent um, Jake LaMotta, and then the the older, and of course he famously put on a lot of weight to to play mm-hmm. the older Jake LaMotta, the older sad, decrepit, lost figure. Um, of of Jake LaMotta as an as an older age, of course, script by Paul Schrader, um, as, as well. Uh, just an extraordinary um, film, um, which I remember seeing with Thelma Schoenmaker, um, who's Scorsese's editor. You know, who works together with um, Scorsese. Is with it? You saw it with her? Well, I, I, I saw it in, in, in an event, yes, yeah. with her. I wasn't sat beside her. Um, <laughs> but she, it was an event where she was talking about editing. But, right. and, and she only showed the first five minutes of Raging Bull, didn't even get beyond the rest, and she was talking about it. Because yeah. it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and, and because you got an insight into the, you know, the improvisation, mm. and she was talking about the, the, the kind of... What you realise, because, I mean, they, they, they're so complete, as it were, so well-structured and tightly um, constructed, um, Scorsese's films, both. I mean, all of them, but, you know, as you say, the contrast between Rage and Bill and An Age of Innocence in terms of subject matter, but they're always so tightly, tightly constructed, you just... You know, and what you find out is, well, they weren't like that when they were finished, yeah, finished filming it. I mean, wasn't she asked once in an interview, like, how does um, she as a woman approach editing such violent material? And didn't she say something like, yeah, well, they're not yeah. violent till I've edited Not violent till I get my hands on them. Yeah. yeah, and of course, that's the thing about the boxing match in Rage and Bill, if you remember. I mean, mm. the cut, the edits in it, just, and the silences. The violence in themselves. The silence yeah. in them, and, and in a way... Um, you, you, you probably imagine more violence than is than actually, actually see depicted on screen see, yeah. in the actual visual. Yeah. And that's, I think that's testament to, to Scorsese's... Well. Uh, well, absolutely, well, both. Yeah. The partnership, uh, completely the partnership. Mm. Um, but also Age of Innocence is, is an emotionally violent film. Yeah. I mean, it's not physically, it's not on screen, it's not violent, but emotionally it's, it's, it's all suppressed. It, it, and under the, it, 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 may, and it may well be, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, real real joys to see them. Yeah, see them back in the in the cinema, um, and then also um, Scottish classic. A Scottish classic <laughs> from a great Scottish director, which is Local Hero, um, directed by uh, Bill Forsyth. Now we've had an interesting dialogue about this um, earlier because I have got such memories of seeing Local Hero when it was first released, um, and also of Bill Forsyth as a director. Um, you know, he he'd done that sinking feeling in 1979, Gregory's Girl, which just kind of catapulted him uh, in 1980, um, and here was a, 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 a you know a breath of fresh air in not just Scottish filmmaking but British filmmaking, um, and then he he he, he delivered um, Local Hero in 1983, which is a kind of famous partnership with David Putnam, producer who was heading to America. And I think Putnam showed uh, Bill Forsyth the classic Ealing film, The Maggie, which is set around um, the west coast of Scotland and said, mm. you know, can we do something with this sort of feel to it? And then he comes up with Local Hero, which is just, it was, was, was a fantastic um, comedy, but also dealing with the kind of change in Scottish, you know, it's about set against the background of oil exploration in the west mm. coast of Scotland. Yeah, and exploitation. Exploitation as well, and, and the American coming over um, to dig for oil, or search for oil, and everybody, all the locals in the small community um, deciding how they're going to spend the many millions that they're, <laughs> going, to, they're going to get. But of course, they're, they're kind of playing the, the, the American at, the, at their own game. But the head of the companies played by... Um, but Lancaster, um, who, who's just brilliant in this film, is a performance, and he's both interested in the sky and astronomy, but also has Scottish heritage, and you know discovers his roots in mm. the west coast of Scotland, and, and um, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, and realizes there's more to life than the exploitation of and of, my oil company <laughs> and, and, and the oil and the oil company. But at the yeah, I mean it was and it was a great it was a huge hit and I quote from it um, often, and then I funnily enough I, I then two daughters we I said oh you must watch local hero must watch local hero, we put it on watched it on a big screen as well, um, and I suddenly thought Not big enough I suddenly thought oh, hang on a minute maybe this isn't as well now maybe it was because they weren't responding to it in the way I, that think, I responded to it I think you were it. overly influenced by I know, the uh, I know. I think the daughters, moods of the people you were watching it with I think I think the daughters influenced me I thought oh no it's not it's not um, it's not everything everywhere all at once is it and of course that's the point that is exactly that the point is having just rewatched it last point. week I know, the I pacing know. is entirely appropriate I think for, for, for a film that's so much about um, kind of an outsider attuning to to the frequency of a place and getting yeah. on the same level as the look, it's the, yeah. the, the you know leisurely in some ways pace yeah. of the film is really yeah. an integral part of that, yeah. and I think it's beautiful and the purple skies are gorgeous. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and even and, and even and even Mark Knopfler's guitar is uh, <laughs> is is well, it is beautiful. Mark Knopfler's guitar, but that kind of you know. Um, I hope it was Martin Offler, not Eric Clapton, but um, uh, I think it is Martin Offler. We make things up on this podcast. Uh, it, it's fine. We, we're very proud of that, but <laughs> we do we do we do hedge our bets by, yeah. <laughs> by saying, but I'm sure, I'm sure it was Martin Offler. But um, th- there was a great um, there's a great story of the production of um, 
local hero when when um, you know Bert Lancaster was just apparently brilliant on set. He was such a great personality, He's so brilliant hearing his voice again and the cadences of his voice and his performance. Um, it's a real thrill in the film. But when they were filming, when they finished filming with Bert Lancaster, he'd flown in for a few days to film. When they finished filming it, um, they had a big um, dinner, I think, in a town hall in Fort William or something, and and they gave him uh, a kilt. Mm. As as you know, end of yeah. shoot, here's the kilt, and apparently there and then he dropped his trousers and put, put, the, <laughs> put, the, put the kilt on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly. God bless him. Um, so yes, I will be revisiting Local Hero, um, and I I will I will trust your um, your your view of it that um, it still carries with it the um, charms uh, of when it was first released in 1983, um, and yeah, a really warm. Um, and pleasurable experience it is in the cinema. So, one more film oh. I wanted to just briefly highlight, which is um, the new film from well, the first film, first feature film from um, Beirut-born artist and filmmaker Ali Cherry, who um, is actually coming in person to present this film on Friday, twelfth, for a director's Q and A. It's the third part of like a trilogy of works. The other two were short films before The Digger and The Disquiet, which you know were shown at various festivals at the time and they're linked by a theme that he describes as um, the geography of violence and they're all kind of exploring the social political crises that are embedded in the land and landscapes that he presents on screen and this one um, was a his first fiction one that was shot during the revolution in Sudan um, and it's set on a construction site on the banks of the Nile and it, it's kind of metaphysical and leans into magical realism at points as it kind of follows a brickmaker who works on this sculpture against the backdrop of the 2019 coup. And it's, it's a gorgeous film, and we're showing it for just that weekend, so do make sure you catch it. Yeah, and a great opportunity to, to see that. Um, and talking of visiting filmmakers, mm. as we um, record uh, this just at the tail end of uh, April, um, we are in hoping to get uh, Nida Manzur um, to introduce a screening of Polite Society, which I think we mentioned last podcast. So keep watching Watershed. Watch this space. Watch this <laughs> space and watch the watershed.co.uk space. Um, and all the films that we've been talking about and many more will be listed there. That is all for this month. <laughs>